Chapter 14 Aftercare Gwen slept for three days. He woke up from a familiar nightmare, bolted upright, clawing at the pain of loss in his chest as though he could remove it. He blinked dazed at his own room, still feeling out of sorts. The sleep helped reinforce his flagging energy levels, but in all other ways he didn't feel right. He felt colder than normal, and there was a creeping queasiness that remained in his stomach and left him nauseous. It only worsened as he walked past the blanket-covered liver rotting on his floor and dragged on clothing that would help him face the seedy court. He'd missed at least three crucial meetings. One had been designed to prevent a small war over a land dispute. Seely Landfay were getting pushed out of their territories by human habitation, and decided to fight each other about it instead. Guilt that he could have directly contributed to a new war left him determined to throw himself into his responsibilities as king. Apprehension that August might not actually be happy with him for pushing him out of the inner circles of his rooms rose and fell inside of him in waves. Below that, the chaos of everything he had done over the past months clamored inside of his head, dim bells that he tried to ignore. His time with August came back to him in both moments that were blurry and those that stabbed into him with sharp clarity. Every now and then Gwen also felt the ghost of the physical pleasure August had evoked within him. It raced through him, stealing his breath. It was a wrench to his nerves that made his vision blur. What August had done had been very tame, compared to what they both knew Gwen enjoyed. Gwen may have protested at the time, but August had delivered, in a way that Gwen hadn't expected. He had expected revenge, torture, pain. That was what he knew he had earned with his actions. August had gone in a different direction to what Gwen had expected, offering pleasure and fleeting moments of touch that left Gwen feeling disturbed and queasy. People were not gentle with him. People had never been gentle with him. Gwen was a masochist, naturally submissive, though he hid this from others. Hiding the truth of himself was helped by his habit of turning bloodlust into lust immediately after a battle, and simply taking those of his soldiers who wanted to be taken. August had been right, however. What had he been looking for when he went down into those cells? Who had he been wanting to break? In his family, it was weakness to wish to be dominated, to enjoy being dragged down a path of pain and pleasure and not be the one doling it out. But he was not unusual in his tastes. Most Fay had a wide range of creative tastes in their sexual pursuits. They healed quickly, especially those with higher statuses. They lived a long time. They cared not for human taboo. Most Fay had time to explore different forms of sensuality and sex, time to explore blood and pain and the outer limits of their endurance. It was the words August said that carried the true damage. He'd flayed him with language. Everything else had been... Gwen shivered. He spent the afternoon reviewing the enchantments of his palatial rooms, the ones that kept some in, others out. He was the king, and his permissions were sacrosanct. Whatever he decided was law. In the end, he decided to rework them so that even more of the palatial rooms were restricted from the rest of the Seely Fay. Very few people found their way into his palace in the first place, but it disturbed him that Ephnician had found August. Had he seen August, looking healthier than he should have at this stage of his captivity, and suspected? Ephnician was crass, but no idiot. Gwen looked down at his hands as he stood, later, in the seedy dungeon. They were shaking. Fungi-winked blue-green light at him. He was surrounded by shadows. He changed the permissions a little while ago so that only he might enter the entire dungeons. He was the only one who used them anyway, and he hadn't wanted anyone else visiting August. 
but now he double-checked to make sure the permissions were still in place. He couldn't afford someone like Albion coming down and noticing August was absent. He placed his hands against the dirt walls and felt for it. Only his energy signature was present, thrumming in response to him. Everyone else would be unable to enter the dungeons at all, just as August had been unable to leave the invisible barrier of his own cell, just as August now couldn't leave the palace beyond the bounds of Gwen's will. He needed to make sure his bases were covered. Realistically, the only way to ensure his bases were truly covered would be to demote August once more and shove him back in his cell and simply not visit him. The thought of that turned Gwen's stomach. He wished, for once, that there was someone he could talk to about these things. He wanted to visit Pitch, perhaps, except that Pitch was understandably unreasonable over the subject of August, and he was certain of what advice he would receive. Have you considered killing him? Outside of Pitch, he couldn't think of anyone else to confide in. He rescheduled a second emergency meeting with the factions of Fay who were prepared to go to battle over the land dispute for the late evening. Then, Ethnician's threats. He had to know if they were only empty words, or if there was a kernel of truth to them. And when he learned that, in fact, there was a plot against August's brother, Gwen set about doing the things that he knew how to do. The entire day was spent teleporting, gathering information, keeping Gulvi apprised of the situation. It was, at first glance, a flimsy plot. It seemed based on the premise that a co-king and queen had less power overall and were easier to defeat. It was a lie. Gulvi and Ash were equally powerful, and bestowed with just as much raw magic as Gwen was. Gwen could think of several reasons why Ethnician would be involved in such a plot. Creel immediately came to mind. But to tell August of it? He became certain that aside from the thrill of threatening an ex-king, Ethnician would have used any and all information gathered as leverage against Gwen. He and Ethnician had never seen anything eye to eye as children, and that had turned to flat, mutual hatred in Gwen's early twenties. At that time, Ethnician stopped seeing Gwen as a victim, and started seeing him as an amusing threat. What were you planning, cousin? And of course, behind Ethnician, always his mother. They had been spending more time together, and she... Gwen's teeth ground together. He laid his armor out on his bed, teleported out of his room to look for something to clean his floor. He had Trose who would gladly help him, but he had carved something of a quiet space for himself when he'd stopped relying on his servants so much back at his family's estate, and started learning how to do these things for himself. The habits continued, and while the Trose helped sometimes, he serviced his own core room. He preferred it that way. He realized he might never know exactly what Ethnician was planning. Ethnician was secretive. His only confidant was Creel, but otherwise, like Gwen, he kept all of his games to himself until it came time to reveal his hand. Likely Creel realized the full extent of his machinations. Likely she had directed him towards them. There was something eluding him about the plot. Why would a group of mid-level fae plot to take over Ash, who was so beloved? They weren't water fae so it wasn't a matter of vicarious revenge against August. They could not ever hope to have enough power to do anything meaningful other than make a show of attempting to demote him, so it wasn't grounded in a serious bid for power. If it wasn't a true bid for power, and it wasn't revenge-related, it was a step in a larger plan. Gwen considered that perhaps even Golvi, as chaotic as she was, may have orchestrated an attempt against Ash to prove her own power as queen when it came to defending her court, saving Ash from peril, she would gain followers, loyalty, 
She was capable of that, even though she'd never truly harm Ash. But that was the rub. He didn't think Gulvie would actually orchestrate anything that had the potential to harm Ash, even if it benefited her in the long term. He frowned as he tossed away the liver, the blanket he'd used to cover it, and then went to work cleaning his own floorboards. Why would there be a plot against Ash at all? What would the end game be? And did Ifnissian and Creel discover it and piggyback onto it, or had this been set in motion by them some time ago? Likely the latter. Was it a convoluted play for the Seelie throne? Ifnissian had boasted about doing just that when they were younger, and he'd always considered Gwen the weakest out of the two of them. And Creel didn't want Gwen on the throne, and now that August and the Nightmare King were defeated, no one needed him on the throne. He had to know her involvement, but of course she would not have shared what she had planned with anyone barring Ethnissian. He was under no illusions that she was the puppet master, Ethnissian a willing puppet. But Ethnissian had only talked to one person about the details. August had said there were details. And... Gwen realized, with a groan, that he'd have to talk to August about exactly what Ethnissian had said. This was only one move on the chessboard, and he could feel himself, suddenly, a piece trapped and unable to recognize the other pieces that were hemming him in. He tried to put it out of his mind, but it stayed, cloying, while he put cleaning equipment away and then wiped his hands, ready, finally, for the rescheduled meeting. He rubbed at his forehead and then strapped on his armor carefully, focusing on the ritual of the act. He had to focus. There was a meeting to mediate. He wasn't in the mood. His body felt like a betrayal. He had come so close to letting go of his light. He heard his father's voice. Do you need to visit the old family estate again? Do you need to remember what kind of monster you are? Did he? He wanted to hide ensconced in his bed and stare up at the ceiling, as he always did when he needed to disappear. He needed to disappear. He didn't have the time. There were things to do. Mediating amongst the two factions of Seely Fay was long and laborious. Hours passed, and everyone expected him to come up with a solution that would make everyone happy. But the only solution that would make everyone happy would be to stop humans from encroaching on their land, which wasn't possible. Sacrifices had to be made. Compromises were necessary. In the end, he managed to prevent a war that would have resulted in lives lost, but he knew it wouldn't be the final word on the matter. Instead of outright war, there would be plots and intrigues. The manipulations and blackmail would come. It took the Fae centuries to adjust to restricted home sizes, and until they adjusted, they would ease their own process with sniping at one another, sometimes fatally, to resist looking at what they had truly lost. He was melancholy when he made his way back to his room. He had spent his entire life attempting to avoid the notice of the court, even though he was court status. He had spent centuries avoiding even being present at the Stevie court, electing to live out in forests wherever possible. He had thought he'd escaped everyone's notice. He had assumed that everyone thought of him as a soldier, competent on the battlefield, and that was it. His father had spent so long making him memorize historical strategies, the tactics and methods employed by different human cultures, different species of fae, that he'd unknowingly moved Gwen into a position where he'd become more than a soldier. What had been a way to make Gwen stay out of sight, and therefore out of mind when growing up, turned into something that had, unbeknownst to him, brought him to the attention of the inner court fay who held the most power. He'd gone from eking out, if not a satisfactory existence, then something less stressful than life could have been in the courts, to feeling an unexpected, unwanted rush of profound power. 
his kingship had invaded him on a sunny warm afternoon and forced him away from his forest cabin that very day even recreating his forest home as a palace in the city court hadn't helped he'd left the hide of a healthy stag halfway tanned arrow shafts that still needed fletching a recurved bow that wasn't fit for a king and was likely now in the possession of some other woodland sprite it had been such a shock to him it had destabilized his center of wildness the only one he'd ever felt truly comfortable with it never returned to him he removed his armor quickly resigned to searching out august and asking him about ethnician that would not be a fun conversation by any stretch of the imagination he knew august would have something to say about being locked out of the innermost rooms and no conversation with august ever went easily anyway they never had even during their more light-hearted moments back during the wild hunts august was rarely genuinely laid back or perhaps gwen realized it was more that he was only laid back when he was making everyone else around him uncomfortable not that gwen ever found conversations especially easy with anyone he seemed to be missing some basic skill set he laid the draft thick during diplomatic events and significant encounters with others but he appreciated the short abrupt way soldiers often spoke to each other and every now and then at the wild hunt he was given glimpses of how things could be if he found conversation easier but it was never easy he put away his armor shrugged on a new shirt and stared around his room for several minutes he sorted his thoughts out as best as he could and left his room determined to get the confrontation with august over and done with he took no more than two steps out of the innermost circle of rooms when long thick ropes of waterweed shot out and wrapped around his ankles and calves he tripped and fell heavily landing badly on his wrist he turned to see august stepping out from behind a tree trunk coils of waterweed lying heavy in his hand gwen winced when a coarse wet length of waterweed wrapped around his sore wrist and squeezed hard this was perhaps what he should have expected he tried to push himself upright but it was august who pulled him up with the help of his waterweed and shoved him back against a wooden log bench against the wall more lengths of waterweed curled over gwen until he was secured in a sitting position by his wrists his neck his legs august was standing over him very close now a calculating expression on his face when gwen opened his mouth to draw august's attention back to the plot against his brother august pushed two fingers into his mouth and pressed down on his tongue his fingers felt lukewarm which meant that gwen's temperature at least was back to normal gwen blinked up at august not nearly as outraged as he should have been though he worried about being distracted he really did have to ask about ephnician he resisted the urge to suck on august's fingers and kept his mouth carefully still no talking august said miss me Gwen's eyes darted around the room, and August smiled. Worried someone else will see you like this? You should be. This is a very compromising position you're in. I could, of course, make it more compromising, but then I doubt you'd be capable of listening to me. August's fingers shifted, rubbed gently. Gwen inhaled slowly through his nose, and August gave him a smile that was predatory. It's hard for you, isn't it? I can tell you're restraining yourself. I see it so rarely. Gwen swallowed, and August nodded as though that had been the answer he was looking for. We have to have a little chat, August said, turning his fingers sideways and then up and curling them down the roof of Gwen's mouth as though he wanted him to come closer. Gwen pressed himself back instead into the mossy wall behind him. 
He was king. This shouldn't be happening. This arrangement was supposed to happen on his terms. Although I have to say, August continued, this is rather distracting. All I can wonder is how long I could keep my cock in your mouth before you lost interest. And, of course, the answer to that is never. August turned his fingers again and gave Gwen a lazy, confident look as he started mapping out the inside of his mouth. It was invasive. It felt like the scene from three days ago hadn't ended, was still going. It was a firm, knowing pressure, and Gwen liked it. Unfortunately, the knowledge that August found this so easy to do had immobilized Gwen so quickly turned that appreciation into something else entirely. August had said that Gwen was vulnerable to losing his kingdom because he was so easy to take advantage of in this manner. What August hadn't said was that he was the one planning on exploiting it. Though Gwen should have known, really. "'You still don't look your best and brightest, Gwen,' August said, still shaking off nearly killing me. Gwen scowled. August's expression was unfathomable, and then seconds later it hardened. "'Well, are you?' he said, cold. August withdrew his fingers, but left his thumb on Gwen's chin and kept the rest of his hand hovering nearby. Gwen swallowed, located his sprawling thoughts, and corralled them back together. He tugged at the water reeds binding him experimentally. There was no getting out of this mess without a serious show of power, using his light, or making a fool of himself. "'I have news about the plot against Ash,' Gwen said. August frowned. The hand hovering over his face shifted and grabbed the side of Gwen's head, nodding in his hair. "'You could have told me this sooner.' "'You didn't give me much of a chance,' Gwen said. "'Then go on. Do tell,' August said. Gwen laughed and raised his eyebrows. "'I'm not talking about this with you until you've removed me from these restraints,' he said. August waved his hand in a short, sharp motion, and the water weed withdrew immediately, then disappeared. Gwen stood up and looked around the room. It was not safe. "'We could go to your room, except, oh, I'm not permitted,' August said. Gwen stood and paused, before placing a hesitant hand on August's arm. "'Your room will be fine,' Gwen said, and then teleported them both. He was momentarily distracted when they arrived. He had sense memories already associated with this room. He found himself looking around for a sign that he had been there, that August had fucked him there. But there was nothing. The bed was made, the room was spotless. Gwen walked over to the closed door and leaned against it. August's arms were folded, his expression intent. "'What did Ethnician say to you?' Gwen said, and August laughed. "'Oh, no. What did you find out about my brother?' It doesn't work that way. I need to know what Omniscient said in order to know exactly what's happening. Gwen, August said, threateningly, and Gwen stepped away from the door, glared at August. No, I don't have patience for this. You will tell me. Your strength isn't deciphering political intrigue. And don't tell me about how you assisted the Raven Prince. After all of your help, he still didn't see you coming, so he didn't learn all that much from you, did he? August looked like he was seriously considering putting up a fight, and then he pulled out the chair at his desk and sat down, crossing one leg over the other. There was nothing casual about his expression, though. For the briefest of moments, Gwen wondered what it must be like to have someone care so much in the way Ash and August cared about each other. His mind replied that it could only be dangerous, that it was no good thing. After all, August had almost been in full control of Gwen, and now, with only a few words, he was being made to tag along in a conversation he had no hope of controlling, all because of his brother. Ethnician's a talker. I'm not sure what you want to know, August said. 
What did he say about the plot? You said he had details. But what did he say upon noticing you in these rooms, instead of down in the cell? You mean, aside from promising that the only reason I'd been moved to nicer accommodations was so that it would be easier on the both of you when you fucked me? August drawled. Yes, aside from that, Gwen said, not falling for it. When he saw me here, he was surprised, August said, and then he seemed positively delighted. As to the plot itself, let me see. He mentioned a mid-level fey faction who were going to exploit the fact that Ash is a weaker king, precisely because he's co-king, and— That is not a fact, Gwen said. That is a myth. No, it isn't, August said, eyes narrowing. Everyone knows that when— Everyone is wrong. It is a myth. Ash and Gulby have exactly as much power and status as I do. It is not halved because there are two of them. August pursed his lips. Then why not just declare everyone king and queen, and give as many fae as we want to this supercharged status? The limit is two per court, Gwen said. I suppose your court education is how you know all of this, August said, and Gwen shook his head. Not quite. Evnissian bought into the myth as well, and he is also court. I had to read a lot when I was younger. If this is the result of all that reading, I would hate to see how dumb you were without all of those books. Gwen held back laughter. August was uncomfortable. He was getting better at reading the spectrum of August's discomfort, and as a result, it was easier not to take his pettier insults so personally. August referring to Gwen as stupid was something of a staple. He moved his hand briefly, to indicate that August should keep talking about what Evnissian had said. August's eyes flickered down, before moving back up and holding Gwen's gaze with his steady green one. On the night of the winter solstice, the longest night, Ephnissian said you were going to draw me out of the cells and into the wild hunt. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? He said it would be a publicized event, limited audience, but Seethi and Unseethi would be invited. As Golvi is and has always been a member of the hunts whenever possible, Ephnissian was sure that Ash would find out. That, knowing I was in such danger, Ash would be drawn out and make himself vulnerable in the process. Not such a bad plan, after all. Gwen thought, taking a breath. Ephnissian was lying through his teeth that Gwen was involved, and Ash was at full king status, replete with power. On the surface it sounded false, but beneath that Gwen could see the workings of his mother's mind, and it sent a chill down the back of his spine. Likely, Ephnissian or Creel were planning on suggesting a wild hunt with August as the sport to the entire court. The Seely court, for the most part, loathed August, and Gwen could not have said no to such a suggestion without coming across as a weak king. The wild hunt was considered fair and neutral ground. If August had been put up as the quarry, both sides would have claimed it to be an example of fair justice, even though it would have been nothing but. And if Creel became the mascot for the idea, Gwen would risk turning the cliques with the most influence against him. Did Ephnissian say that I knew of this already? Gwen said, and August took a breath. He blinked out of the calculating expression he'd been directing at Gwen. Yes. It wasn't so much of a leap for me to imagine that this would be something you plan, and I'm sure you know why. The memory of that night lay between them, and Gwen took a second, shakier breath. If Gwen agreed to put August up as the quarry in the wild hunt, Ethnician would have a clear opportunity to make an aggressive move against Ash, who would have been lured out and vulnerable. Ash would survive it, but August likely wouldn't, and the unseated court would have been dealt a damaging blow. Ash wouldn't be stable after August's death. He wasn't stable now. Gulby would expect Gwen's support, but he wasn't able to publicly show such support of the unseated king and queen, which Creel would know, and Ephnissian had enough news to figure that out as well. Gwen's teeth ground together. 
he felt ill and absurdly grateful if Missian was dead. For, of course, if Gwen refused to put up August for sport, which Creel would have known was more likely, it wouldn't have mattered how pretty or fair his speech was. It wouldn't even have mattered if his court accepted the words as a true transmission from a center of justice. Creel and Missian would have had their proof that Gwen was showing a display of unseemly weakness. It could be a potentially decisive blow against his kingship. Gwen still had a lot of social currency, simply based on the fact that the Nightmare King had been defeated during his reign, but it would have been possible. The reign of the Nightmare King was already not so fresh, and August was still alive. The Fae might begin to be swayed towards a more ruthless king. And if Nissian had been demonstrating less public cruelty of late, was he slowly trying to alter his reputation to make himself more suitable for potential kingship in the future? Was he hoping to make everyone forget centuries of measured, evil monstrosities? The worst part, it could have worked. Centers changed. The Fae could have believed in him given enough time. Creel had him well-groomed to behave within the court, and even in a short period of time he was well-favored. "'Did Ethnician say anything in relation to me in the Uncity Court?' Gwen said, and August's brows drew together, as though he didn't expect the question. "'Actually, he did,' August said slowly. "'He said that even Golvi was a part of the plan, that she had been a member of the Wild Hunt for a long time, and always wanted to reign solo as queen. I found that harder to believe.' You have seen her around Ash. The likelihood that she would do anything to harm him is exceedingly slim. But alongside this, Ephnician said that you could talk Golvi into the plan, because you had that kind of power over the unseated court, given that you demoted me and installed them into their current positions, and that they owe you an unusual amount of debt. I am glad he's dead, Gwen thought. He acted like he was part of your inner circle, and it was easy to believe, August said, shaking his head. I didn't think it was common knowledge that you'd begun manipulating the unsteady court into supporting Golvia's queen, well before I was even demoted. It's not, Gwen said. Ephnician was confirming a suspicion. He floated the idea, and you reacted in a way that confirmed what he suspected. If my court knew how often I'd met with the heir and outer court of the unsteady, it would have had something to say about it, and none of it good. For all that they talk of Seely and unsteady cooperation, they do not truly want it. Will you tell me about this plot against Ash? Is it halted? Surely the death of Ephnician is not enough to stop it going ahead. Did Ephnician say anything about me? Concentrate for at least five minutes, Gwen. This isn't about you. August stood up in a single, fluid movement and stared at Gwen. Are you saying he wasn't planning on attacking Ash? No, Gwen said grimly. Now will you answer my question, please? August's face darkened as he tried to make the connections that Gwen had made. He then looked at Gwen with an expression that Gwen couldn't read. He said that I looked surprisingly well, given that I was your prisoner and that I should have been drying out. He made some joke that you were giving me water to keep me well-fueled for fucking, but he seemed honestly surprised that I was not manacled and that I was free to walk around. There were a few minutes before he mentioned any plan at all, where I thought that I was not the one who should be watching my back around him. This was a plot against you, wasn't it? And your brother, Gwen said, unlikely you as well. Ephnician doesn't come up with plans that have only one favorable outcome. He sets himself up so that every possible result is favorable. Gwen left out the part where he was certain that this was his mother, because August didn't need to know that. Except for the part where I destroyed him, August said darkly, and Gwen's smile echoed his. Except for that part. Likely he never expected that an underfay could triumph over a court fay. Is the plan still... in effect? August said. 
and Gwen nodded. I'm not sure how successful they'll be. Medium-level fay against a king? Please. Ash was a brawler, is he not? And Golby is aware of what's happening, and has stepped up security in her court. Ephnissian was, from what I can tell, manipulating mid-level unseedy fay into a vicarious revenge plot. It won't work now that he's dead. The other plots, however, went that. Creel could be suggesting a wild hunt at the court at this very moment, suggesting a more exciting prey. A certain water horse, perhaps. She knows I would refuse. She has always known how much I hate killing Fay outside of battle. What aren't you telling me? How is this about you? Argus said, and Gwen didn't feel like going into it, because taking a walk through his family's minds to try and figure out exactly what was going on reminded him too much of growing up around them. Creel had loathed him from birth, and was cruel and vindictive, not opposed to harming him physically or mentally. Ethnician liked immediate and long-term gratification. Even as a teenager, he would take advantage of an impromptu spot of cruelty, even while working on some other plot that would take two or three months to execute. Perhaps Gwen should have informed his father that Ethnician was surprisingly helpful at inadvertently teaching him battle strategies and tactics. "'You can rest assured that Ash will not befall any danger,' Gwen said, slipping into the formality easily. He'd found out what he needed to find out. He would scour his own court for the worst of Creel and Ephnissian sympathizers and find a way to eject them if he could. If someone came forth and asked about submitting August to the wild hunter's quarry, he'd still be obligated to say yes. Gwen would have to pay the king of the forest a visit. If he could get the support of the white stag, then Gwen's refusal to allow August to be part of the wild hunt, no matter who suggested it, would be cause enough for everyone to dismiss the idea once they knew he had the king of the forest support. That was, if you could get it. Look at you, still thinking, August said, walking over. Gwen opened the door quickly, recognizing that it was time to leave, and August raised his eyebrows. And now the hasty retreat, like last time. I don't think so. Didn't I say that we had to have a little chat? August reached out and removed Gwen's hand from the doorknob, closed the door again. Gwen wasn't sure exactly how August was doing it, but he felt crowded. August leaned in and pressed his lips against Gwen's ear. If you teleport out of here, I will find you, and I will rip you apart. Gwen's eyes widened. I'm not going to. Sit down on the bed. I have some things to discuss with you about this arrangement. We don't have an arrangement, Gwen said, and August laughed. Sit. Gwen rubbed a hand over his head. I, I think we should re-establish the fact that I am the king of the court, and that you are— The fist that August clenched in Gwen's hair lashed out quickly. Gwen was dragged down forcibly to his knees. The hand in his hair gave a shake, and Gwen's breath escaped him on a pained hiss. There was nothing relenting about that grip. I'm sick of this. You revoke my status right now, and put me back in that cell, or sit down on the bed. Gwen swallowed. He should. He should do it now that he had the opening. He should. Well... August said, something dangerous in his voice. Are we going to keep playing this game? Because I'll play it if you like, but you won't like the outcome. Remind me that you are the king of this court, that I am your prisoner. Please. Gwen reached up and grasped August's wrist, when August's hand tightened so hard he felt hair pulling out of his scalp. August dug the fingernails of his free hand into pressure points that made Gwen's whole arm feel like it was burning, and he yanked it back. It was the first time August had used pressure points against him, and it felt awful. He knew August had been trained in the art, but he had almost forgotten that he could do it. 
His arm still ached. Ethnesia knew that I was your prisoner. The whole Fey world knows that I'm your prisoner. Even I know it, because I'm stuck here. If you think that reminding me that you put me here, that you put my brother in a position where he was about to be attacked, is going to help you. Oh, I despair of you, Gwen. You're just going to get hurt. Let me go, Gwen wanted to say, but didn't dare utter the words aloud because they would damn him. He could, after all, still teleport. Even if August came with him because his grip was so tight, the teleportation would be enough that Gwen could still shake him off. He could even use the light. Though no, he couldn't. He couldn't use it. Not after last time. He was too close to the surface. I'm going to take your silence as agreement that when I let go of your hair, you're going to sit down on that bed and listen to me. If you don't, this will go very differently. I may actually push you to the point where you have no choice but to revoke my status. Do you understand? Gwen nodded, winced at the pain in his head. August let go, and Gwen stood, walked over to the bed and sat down on it, rubbing at the back of his scalp. Any more force, and he was certain he would have been bleeding. Gwen watched as August drew the pocket knife out of his desk drawer again. He tossed it over to Gwen, who caught it, bemused. You're going to make a blood oath of your own today, August said, quietly, turning his desk chair around and sitting so that he could face Gwen. His face was free of any smirks, surprisingly serious. Excuse me, Gwen said, looking at the pocket knife and then back at August. You ran, and then you locked me out. Do you know, I have had clients and colleagues refuse aftercare before, at least at first, but there is always a point where they succumb because they understand its necessity. I thought at first that this was your play. You would run, and I would, exhausted, I might add, follow you. But you were making no false play, were you? I don't trust you to allow me to administer aftercare. I don't need aftercare, Gwen said, furrowing his brow. Was this what this was about? No, August said, uncrossing his legs and leaning forward. Gwen, might I remind you that you almost couldn't keep down water? Gwen hid the pocket knife in his fist and maintained a confident eye contact he did not feel. I slept as you suggested but on my own, which makes a great deal of sense, given that you yourself said that I shouldn't trust you. I fail to see how. Why did you allow me to administer aftercare the first time you visited me? Back then, August said, tilting his head, as though Gwen was a puzzle he couldn't quite figure out. I didn't allow it, Gwen said, laughing cheerlessly at the memory. I don't recall that I had a great command of language after you were through with me that first time. So you wouldn't have allowed it? August said, confused. Gwen, I don't do one and not the other. They're part of the same offering. Two sides of the same coin. I... Gwen swallowed when he realized that August was actually speechless. He opened his hand and looked at the pocket knife, frowning. He didn't need to be fussed over. That wasn't what this was about. He'd done the wrong thing. He deserved... You say your mother has been working against you. Ethnician might be plotting against you. Your family aren't the supportive bastions they appear to be, are they? Is this madness your family is doing? August said, and though the words were directed at Gwen, they were quiet enough that he might as well have been talking to himself. What a convoluted maze it is inside that head of yours. August, if you do not blood oath to me that you will allow me to administer aftercare for a length of time that I deem sufficient, then that's it. We are done. This, it's done. Gwen was shocked when he realized that August was serious. He could never imagine a circumstance where August would pass up dominating someone, 
especially his captor, in a situation like this. Don't be ridiculous. No. August stood and glared. This isn't negotiable, Gwen. It's a blood oath or nothing. Gwen moved the pocket knife between his hands. He didn't like blood oaths at the best of times. He'd do it if he had to, but he felt them heavy in his cells. Why blood oath for this, of all things? It was just trivial. <laughs> Look at you, August laughed, though there was a breathless quality to it. He stepped up to Gwen and looked down at him, and Gwen stared up, belligerent. Perhaps I should have expected this from the one who only made me blood oath not to murder or permanently injure him, but left everything else wide open. You didn't give me enough time, Gwen said, clenching his teeth together. Pick up the pocket knife and blood oath that you'll let me give you aftercare. A strange, horrified pounding stuttered in Gwen's heart. Why? What do you want to do? August stared at him, the corners of his lips turned down. What do you think aftercare is, Gwen? August said. It's clear that whatever is going on in that blockhead of yours, you think it's worse than what has actually been done to you. Yet here you are, still requiring it because you wouldn't let it happen three days ago. Did you sleep? Gwen asked, and August narrowed his eyes. Yes, I slept. A day and then some. Focus, please. I don't still require it from the other day. This is the most absurd conversation I've had with you since— First, August said, holding up a finger, I pushed you too hard. More than once. Second, you were not in any state to run your kingdom before you force-fed me liver, and you definitely weren't afterwards. I would like you to keep in mind that when you put your own position as king in jeopardy, I become unfortunately and rather acutely aware of the position I'm in. Third, oh, August, I, I apologize. It must have sounded like I was asking for your opinion, when in actual point of fact I was not. You will listen to me. I pushed you too hard, and you would have required extensive aftercare even if I hadn't, because that's the direction you slide, Gwen. It is not, Gwen thought, but he didn't dare say it because August looked like he was losing whatever patience he had left. He didn't know what to do. He didn't want a blood oath that he would stay for aftercare. He didn't want that. But he didn't want this new dynamic to be over either. He worried he would be taken advantage of, hurt, manipulated. But August had been right. A part of him needed what August had to offer. A part of him had maybe always needed that. And he didn't know if he could be the one to walk away from their exchange. His mind wasn't helping. The memory of the thoughts in his mind draining away under the care of someone else, August cock in his mouth, of the way August's breathing had changed and turned ragged, knowing now that that was how he sounded when he was close. He didn't want to give that up. This must be hard for you, August said quietly, taking the pocket knife and flipping up the blade before placing it, just so, back in Gwen's hand. I don't want you to ask me to sleep again, Gwen said. If you remember, I had retracted the request that you sleep. Gwen turned the pocket knife in his hands again, keeping his fingers free of the sharp blade. August's palm settled on the top of his head, and he told himself that he didn't flinch. You want what I can give you, August said. Let's not prevaricate and pretend you don't. I do know I was right when I pointed out that you weren't just trying to break me in that cell. I can tell you think this is extreme, me asking this of you. I do see that, Gwen. I'm taking that into account. Why are you being like this? Gwen said, and August shifted his hand on Gwen's hair, sighed. Are you going to make the blood oath or not? You, you'll use it against me, Gwen said, surprised at how strained he sounded. He winced when he realized his voice was shaking. 
August's hand in his hair paused, and then he feathered fingers through several strands of hair. "'You told me not to trust you,' Gwen added. "'It is a yes or no question,' August said crisply. "'Are you going to blood oath or not?' "'Make a decision, Gwen. I can't force you to blood oath. And you don't like that, do you? This would be easier if I could just make you do it. You do understand why I can't, don't you?' "'Not particularly,' Gwen frowned, but didn't say aloud. "'When will this be starting?' he asked. "'If you blood oath now, then now,' August said. "'I seem to recall the time when you asked me to choose between comfort and a gag. Do you remember that?' "'You should. Did you know that you had a problem with comfort also?' That was it, Gwen realized. He couldn't do this. August didn't offer promises of aftercare laced with cruelty. He offered the real thing. For all that Gwen worried that August would somehow use it against him, manipulate him into giving August more power, he was acutely aware that between the two of them, Gwen had attempted to do more damage. There had been nothing merciful in him when he'd given August that choice. That August could turn around and offer something without, it seemed, actually wanting to hurt him, it wasn't right. He was halfway through getting up when August placed a hand on his shoulder and applied light pressure. "'Some warrior you are,' August said. "'Coward. What must it have been like, I wonder? Leave as your father?' Ethnician is your first cousin, and you two of an age? Your mother, her center was appearance, was it not? It still is, Gwen said. Don't they just represent everything that is best and brightest about the city court? You say your mother did not support you being king, but did your father? Did he help maneuver you into that position? Was it your birthright? Gwen closed his eyes. He very carefully said nothing. Was it seasoning first on the battlefield? Nights spent studying and learning what it might mean to be a city king. August. He lived close by, do you know? When I learned of you, this young, aristocratic creature, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, you were lucky our paths didn't cross. Gwen looked up at August, and was surprised to see no smirk, no hint of the condescension he expected. <laughs> well, you must have thought of me, then, when I turned up at your home. <laughs> Half mad, Gwen said laughing in spite of himself. Half! <laughs> then August did laugh. He moved until he could sit down on the bed next to Gwen, still laughing. If that was you half mad, I'm not sure I want to know what the entirety of your madness looks like. Do you force ten sons to eat their father's dead hearts, instead of just the one? Do you... Gwen looked fixedly at the door when he saw the way August was looking at him. I'd like you to make the blood oath now. August said, all traces of mirth gone from his voice. Ah, it confuses me. You're not doing so well, are you? Gwen blinked at the gentleness that smoothed and lightened August's voice. He looked down at the blade of the pocket knife, a bland silver, and then startled when August placed a hand flat on his back. All you need to do is oath that you will allow me to administer aftercare for a length of time that I deem sufficient. That's all. Gwen took a deep breath and placed the edge of the blade at his little finger. August's hand was warming against his back, the touch oddly neutral. August said nothing as Gwen made the nick in his finger, closing the pocket knife. August reached forward and took it away with his other hand, placing it down on the bed. Gwen watched the blood well, closed his eyes. I, Gwen Apneed, blood oath to allow August Akushka to administer aftercare, for a length of time that he deemed sufficient. He brought his little finger up to his lips, 
to remove the blood, but August caught his wrist with his hand. Thank you, August said, drawing Gwen's wrist to his own mouth and licking off the small droplet of blood with a warm flick of his tongue. The blood oath activated. It was an almost bruise under his skin. The hand on his back dropped, and Gwen felt the cool air that rushed to replace it as an acute, uncomfortable flash of sensation. Crudely worded, August added, using the hand around Gwen's wrist to encourage him further onto the bed. No definitions of aftercare, no stipulations, nothing. Anyone would think the subject made you deeply uncomfortable. Can we just get this over and done with? Gwen said, lying down reluctantly when August pushed him down onto his back. Gwen brought both of his knees up and then folded his arms across his chest. August took one of his wrists within his fingers and then tugged, repeatedly, while leaning over him. Here, August said, moving Gwen's wrist until his hand was braced on August's arm. Like this. I don't understand. Breath escaped him when August lowered himself down until he could press his lips against Gwen's. He kissed with the closed mouth and then opened his lips only slightly so he could drag them across Gwen's, damp hair tracing wet patterns in Gwen's shirt across his neck. Gwen's hand tightened on August's arm reflexively, and August smiled against his lips. This isn't aftercare, Gwen said, stupidly. You don't even know what aftercare is, August said against his mouth. You don't know how it has to change, depending on the circumstances. You don't know that it's different per person. It changes depending upon the hour, the day, the need. August had modulated his voice. Even without compulsion, it was hypnotic, and the last thing Gwen saw as he let his eyes close were the calculating green of August. Tell me about Ephnissian, August said, kissing the corner of his mouth. Tell me what it meant to have him as your cousin, when his center was cruelty. Gwen sighed. His other hand came up and he pressed fingers into his eyes. The headache he hadn't been able to shake entirely was returning in force. I fail to see how this is aftercare. Indulge me, August said. I'm curious. Truly. What was it like, growing up with him? You weren't friends, were you? No, Gwen said, and August kissed him chastely with a closed mouth in response. Was the center always cruelty? Yes. Gwen said, and August chuckled. What a nightmare he must have been for his parents. Gwen shrugged. It was a nightmare for everyone. And yet, even though his family had minded their hounds and horses and hunting falcons around him, he had still had his appetites indulged. The key with Ephnissian, according to his bloodline, was simply redirection. He was permitted to be cruel, as long as he found the right place to direct it. His father counseled that cruelty didn't matter, especially on a battlefield where it could be an asset. Unfortunately for Gwen, the family thought he was a wonderful target for redirection. What a nightmare he must have been for you, August continued, and then opened his mouth against Gwen's properly, licking a hot, wet stripe across the seam of his closed lips. Open, Gwen. Open for me. Gwen shuddered at the words. Warmth curled through him, and one of his legs straightened. His mouth opened automatically. August licked at his bottom lip, slowly, and then slanted his mouth over Gwen's and exhaled softly against him. It was simple, sensual, and when August withdrew, Gwen took a deep, slow breath. He began to relax in spite of himself. Were you made to play together? I know how it is when you have two young fae that are of a similar age. Everyone over two centuries expects that they will just enjoy each other's company by default. So, of course... Of course, Gwen said, thinking that was one of the most stupid of fae presumptions that age would correlate directly with friendship. 
He must have made your life miserable. Wen shook his head. It wasn't as bad as you presume. I could often outsmart him, and on those occasions I would leave him to his own devices. Often, Argus said. And pray tell, what occurred on the occasions when you could not outsmart him? Well, I would heal, wouldn't I? Wen said, brow furrowing. We were out of court even then. There wasn't much he could do that would leave lasting damage. And he wouldn't risk Mother's wrath by leaving anything like a scar. That sense of his appearance, remember? August was silent for some time, and Gwen wondered what he was thinking. But just as he thought he should check that August wasn't distracted, August pressed his mouth against Gwen's again. He kept the kiss languid, leaned closer, reaching underneath Gwen's head so that he could trace firm fingers along the back of his neck. Gwen was surprised at how good that felt, moaned. When August had talked about aftercare, Gwen didn't know he meant this. Your cousin abused you, August said as he withdrew, and the only way you could stop it was, at least for a while, to run away from him. Gwen narrowed his eyes at August, confused, and August was frowning at him. Your family is a nest of adders, August said. And you? What kind of snake are you? A chill crept over him at that, and Gwen felt tension flood through his body. August leaned in to kiss him once more, and Gwen jerked backwards. August looked vexed and then the fingers at the back of his neck started stroking again. "'Am I still pushing you too hard?' August said. "'Really?' He leaned in again, and Gwen decided he'd had enough. It wasn't that he hated it, it was just that he didn't spend time with people like this. He could never tell when he was in dangerous territory. It wasn't like looking at a chessboard or a map and knowing where to go next. Gwen lurched sideways, pushed himself up off the bed, and— a terrible pain ripped straight through his chest, rust and nails splitting through him. He hunched in on himself, heard the echo of his own cry in his head, had a fist pressed up hard against his sternum, and focused on breathing, because gasping, even though it carried the illusion of breathing, was not the same thing. His cells felt like they were burning from the inside, and it was an old, familiar agony. He didn't know what to do to make it stop. There was nothing else except the pain, and trying to suppress the pain. After a few minutes, he became aware of a hand rubbing circles into his upper back. He was shaking. Another hand was pulling gently at his shoulder. Gwen, come along. Lie down. Lie down. Can you hear me? Are you listening? Gwen made a sound of acknowledgement, and August swore in what sounded like relief. Lie down, Gwen. Come along now. Lie down. You almost broke the blood oath, you stupid fool. His eyes opened wide, realizing that August was right. He lowered himself back onto the bed and stilted movements, and August followed, mouth pinched with worry. It was all so odd. This was not the August he had come to expect from his actions as the Unsuity King. This was very much an August he had met a long time ago, the one that Ash remembered. Could that even be possible? If it was, when had it happened? I expected you to have difficulty with this oath, but not like this, August said as Gwen bent his legs once more, folded his arms over his chest, not within ten minutes of making it. Good to know that I can surprise you, Gwen managed, chest aching. He was exhausted. Yes, it's fantastic. How much pain are you in again? Tell me how good that is for you. Gwen didn't reply, too busy trying to breathe through the pain. It was still sharp. It felt as though foreign objects were clogging his veins and arteries. He hated Fay Law at the best of times. He loathed blood oaths. August slid his fingers under Gwen's folded arms until his palm was resting over his heart. He measured its beat, which Gwen didn't think would be too difficult, as he could feel it pounding away himself. You idiot, August said quietly. 
You idiot. Is this also aftercare? Gwen said, voice hoarse with pain, and Argus actually bared his teeth at him in a snarl. You have to let me learn how to do this for you. You blood-oathed it, Gwen. You can't just quit, remember? Not until I deem it sufficient aftercare, and I don't. Release me from the oath, Gwen said, as he lowered his back to the pillows, wishing the pain would just ease off. He understood already that he'd almost broken the oath. He didn't need the oath to keep reminding him of that fact. No, August said, putting his hand up to Gwen's lips and stroking them. No, I won't. Definitely not now. He licked his way up along Gwen's jawline, all the way up to the upper rise of his cheekbone, where he then shifted so that he could press his lips against Gwen's once more, asking permission by licking against his closed mouth, patient and slow, until Gwen sighed and realized that he wanted this part. He wanted it more than he thought he could. His mind was clearing. The headache was falling away. For the first time since waking up, he felt something that was almost good. It was so rare that he wanted to preserve it for years. He never felt like this. August's hand was still pressed against his chest, still measuring his heartbeat. He opened his mouth, touched August's tongue as it slid in carefully, and August made an approving noise that went a long way to soothing the pain in his chest. He leaned up, wanting to see if he could draw that noise forth again, and August chuckled and pulled backwards. Slow, August said. I'm not fucking you. You're not fucking me. It's just this. Yes, okay, Gwen said, and August kissed him again, a smile on his lips. He pressed closed lips to the edges of Gwen's mouth, ran his tongue again over Gwen's bottom lip, his top lip, and then shifted so that he was leaning closer. His fingers pressed into Gwen's chest, and Gwen's arms unlocked. He lifted one arm and curled fingers around August's shoulder, heart leaping when August made that approving noise again, half hum, half groan. The pain eased further, and Gwen straightened one of his legs, followed August's pace. For all that August didn't believe him, Gwen wasn't interested in fucking. He was too tired. The day had been too long. But this was... good. Unexpected, but still good. The first thing you did, when you woke up, was start chasing up that plot against my brother, wasn't it? August whispered against his mouth, and Gwen shrugged. I got dressed first. You're sure Ash will be safe? I'm not done following this up. I'll tell you when I'm sure, Gwen said, and then he forgot what he was going to say next when August slid his tongue back into his mouth. August took the lead, and the kiss was a slow, drugging affair that ended with Gwen hesitantly carding his fingers through August's damp hair and finding something like relaxation threading all the way through him. August withdrew slowly, and Gwen absently licked at the thin string of saliva that connected them. August looked down at Gwen appraisingly. I didn't realize you had problems sleeping around others, August said. I do as well. I wouldn't have suggested it if I had known. Gwen opened his mouth to reply, but August kissed him again. Gwen went with it. He often ignored kissing in his own encounters with others. It was too intimate. It distracted him from what he was trying to do. But Gwen enjoyed it very much. He didn't bother opening his eyes when August withdrew again, only shifted so that he was more comfortable on the bed. The ache in his chest was a distant memory, the blood oath itself already feeling surprisingly more settled within his skin. There, there we go, August said quietly. You hold yourself back from it, don't you? From what? Gwen said, but August didn't reply. He rubbed his hand over Gwen's chest, ducked his head until damp hair was brushing against Gwen's cheek. I don't think you need to stay here anymore, if you don't wish to. I think this is sufficient. 
especially for someone with the problems you have with this. But I'd like for you to stay longer. No one will come in here. It will be quiet. I do know you like quiet. Quinn blinked and realized that August was releasing him from the aftercare. Quinn considered getting up, leaving as quickly as possible, but if he went back to his own room, he would only teleport straight back out again. There are always things to do in the city court, especially now that he had to make sure he wouldn't be put in the awkward position of having to explain why he flatly refused to allow August to be a quarry in the wild hunt. Stay, August said, kissing him gently. Stay. An hour, Gwen said, and August nodded, his lips shifting against Gwen's mouth with the movement. Then August slanted his lips over Gwen's, and they kissed until Gwen felt himself start to stir. August withdrew and looked down at him with sleepy eyes, blown pupils. I'm stopping now, August said, smiling. We're just going to lie here for an hour, and then you can decide what you want to do after that. August moved until he was lying alongside Gwen, one arm across his torso, hand up and over his chest. So this is aftercare, Gwen said, realizing that he was getting used to parts of his body being damp as a result of August's hair. Right now? Yes. Later? Who knows? Because it changes, Gwen said, deciding that he just didn't need to move for a little while. He lowered his other leg carefully, and August immediately slung his leg over it. It was possessive, but Gwen couldn't bring himself to mind. He licked his lips, tasted August on them. He kept expecting to start panicking, to fear how quickly and easily August had brought him to heal, but the panic felt far away. It had fallen so far that he didn't even want to reach for it anymore. It could wait. 